Cubicle Night Noodlings, recorded on the 5th of January, 2020. 2020. Huh. I think that was a show at one time, wasn't it? This is my corner of the internet, where I talk and gush about the tech things that tickle my nerdy nerve endings. Kicking off the new year with my 11th installment of this audio kettle of fish, and rattling around in my brain housing unit today, are Fusion 360 Review, Quick Tiling in KDE Plasma, Linux in the Kitchen, a biddle follow-up, my open SUSE corner, and a look back in computer history about music. Fusion 360 is a CAD CAM application with finite element analysis capabilities. I recently reviewed Fusion 360, and I'm very excited about how well it works in Linux through Lutris. I was going through the Autodesk forums, and I read a lot of chatter about the position on the Linux client. It appears that for several years there have been requests made by Linux users, but as of today, or as of last written on there, there is no plan to support it. One user gave a fantastic, well-thought-out, logical reason for building a Fusion 360 client to work in Linux. He gave the typical reasons as to why they don't. He says the management does not see customers here. It's a question about the cost-to-income ratio. He says he thinks if it's done right, there's not much cost, which he used keyword continuous integration. I got the impression that this guy is a programmer when I read that. He says there are a number of potential customers. Linux users, they need to raise their hands and write to Autodesk so that they can see that there are potential customers. Linux leads already in the server market and on embedded devices, smartphones, and tablets. You know, if you count Android as Linux. On the desktop, Windows is still dominating with about 88% or so. And, and that's true for the average user, but this doesn't need to be true for engineers and makers using CAD software. He says he has no statistic here, but he personally has never seen engineers work on a Mac. He says, but I've seen many engineers, software developers, and scientists that work in Linux. And I have also seen this too. And Linux users are willing to beta test and are able to generally figure things out for themselves. And that's also very true. I mean, how many Linux users do you know that like to fiddle and get things working and improve stuff and tweak other things? There's more information you can look at. You can look at the whole forum. I got a link in my show notes to be in a link. Interestingly, there are a lot of hostile responses from Windows users that were just hostile. I'll just leave it as that there. I do think that is a large part of the untold story. There are those that point to Linux and talk about the technological elitism that goes on there, but I don't see this behavior as as exclusive to Linux users at all. And I can refer to this post as evidence otherwise. Some of the individuals on that forum were very condescending toward the idea and just totally dismissive. And that surprises me, but, but also doesn't. It has been shown that Linux users are willing to pay for software. Linux users even donate to software projects. They pay even when they don't have to pay. Even though Autodesk has stated that they have no plans to support Linux, it is always with the caveat of at this time. I still have hope that Linux will be supported in the future at some level. It's inevitable as there are a larger percentage of Linux users in the engineering field and Autodesk does support Linux on their May application. And since there are more and more professional tools on Linux now, I think it's only a matter of time before Fusion 360 ends up along with the rest of them. KDE Plasma is by far my favorite desktop environment because of its flexibility. I did a little write-up in a video on quick tiling windows in Plasma. Not Windows, the operating system, but the graphical object Windows. It took me far too long to complete the write-up and video, but I must say that the tiling features in Plasma are pretty fantastic. 
I spent this past week doing a lot of administrative work for another job of mine, and the tiling manipulation of the windows and the desktop navigation shortcuts made the tasks far less painful than they have been historically. I have to emphasize once again that it is important to have key combinations that make sense to you, that are easy to remember, and that quickly become intuitive to you. I made a little video using Caden Live, and I put it in YouTube, and I had a less than stellar comment about my production quality. For that, all I can say is, man, I'll do better next time. I did another post this last week on my use of Linux in the kitchen. I did appreciate a lot of the great feedback I received from this, and I don't want to understate at all the value of technology in the kitchen. It is not at all a strange science experiment being shoehorned into a role in which it doesn't make sense. Linux and the array of tools make several kitchen tasks, and tasks outside the kit, a little bit beyond the kitchen, a little more efficiently completed. For my case, it had to be the right hardware to start with. It was an important part of the implementation that I have the right hardware as I have a very limited amount of counter space. There were already several software applications I had been using. I just happened to further expand how I had been using them. It recently made the Christmas season a lot more efficient too. You know, I like to bake, make cookies and so forth. All my lists were done on the system and then my recipes were compiled on the system and were ready for me to use and browse and so forth. Doing it the traditional way, or the way I've done it in the past with printing them off and having them lying around, they would generally get in the way, get messy, and then eventually thrown out. This year, I didn't throw anything out. I didn't, I didn't print anything excessively. I had everything there and accessible. And really, for use in the future. That information that I put on the computer for safekeeping for future use is replicated on other systems at the same time. Some of the applications that I use to make this happen are K-Organizer, which is what I use for tracking my days and you know, meal planning and so forth. Is a recipe management, which is GNOME Recipes. There are some other recipe applications out there, but GNOME Recipes is what I prefer at this time. For file synchronization, I've been using SyncThing GTK. For creating lists that I take to the grocery store with me, I use SimpleNote. Web browsing is generally done in Falcon because it's touch-friendly, as this computer has a touchscreen interface, which was also an important part of the hardware selection. I had to be able to use my knuckle that wasn't all greasy and, and filthy from the cooking mess you know, to, to scroll sometimes or to select something on the screen. And I guess you could use a mouse, but I did not want to make a big, giant, nasty mess of it. Now, what would improve Linux in the kitchen is going to take some real effort on my part. Most of these things will be added using single board computers and some sensors or, you know, IoT-like devices, but not Internet of Things. I need more metrics in order to improve my results when baking. I'd like some improved inventory management, improved meal planning. All but the last one will take some serious work and effort in order to really implement. For now, I'm happy with what I have. It all works very well. And if it were gone, I would very much miss it. For my Biddle follow-up, I wasn't able to be part of the show. I, was, I watched it, but I wasn't able to actually be a participant. Currently, there's a Fedora 31 challenge that is ongoing. A lot of people were rather rough on it, and in some ways, I understand, but in others, I absolutely do not. I've used Fedora periodically, and I've always found it to be an enjoyable experience. Fedora is a lot more like getting a Lego set with some really well-done instructions than it is a ready-made product. I look at Fedora as being more industrial-grade Linux system that you implement for a specific purpose, while distributions from Ubuntu flavors are more like products that are ready to be used that focus on an out-of-box experience. All the flavors of Linux have a place and a target audience. Everyone is entitled to their own opinions about a distribution's experience, 
but I think it's almost a bit unfair to evaluate Fedora in the same way you would evaluate an Ubuntu. I've decided to use Fedora's Plasma Edition, and I'm going to give it a fair, you know, but biased review. My expectations are very focused. I don't need the last mile type polish, nor do I expect that from Fedora or OpenSUSE for that matter. I do expect something very easy to work with that is easy to mold to my wishes. I will say OpenSUSE does a great plasma. I use it every day. I enjoy it. I love it. And I don't mean it's a great out of the box, perfect for my needs, but no distribution should ever target me as a core user for their out of the box, perfect for my needs type expression. I think that would be tremendously silly because I am an edge case and I'm a never satisfied edge case. I have a moving target of requirements and expectations for what I want as my personal workspace. I would be an extremely high maintenance target for a perfect out of the box experience. So no Linux distribution, no matter how nicely it's polished, will ever be perfect for me just as it is. So I don't expect this from Fedora. My expectations are that it does what I ask it to do just as I would like. That's it. And that's really for any piece of software or application. And, and I'm, I always have some tolerance for things not fitting exactly right, but those are expected. For my OpenSUSE corner, Tumbleweed Snapshots 2019-1225, Christmas, 1227, 1228, 29-30 were released this past week. Wiggle version 1.2, it's a program for applying patches that patch cannot apply due to conflicting changes in the original. Wiggle will always apply all changes in the patch to the original. If it cannot find a way to cleanly apply a patch, it inserts it in the original in a manner similar to merge and reports the unresolvable conflict. Bubble Wrap version 0.4.0. The biggest feature of this release is support for joining existing user and PID namespaces. This doesn't work in the set UID mode at the moment. Other changes include stores namespace info in status JSON and set UID mode PID1 is now marked dumpable and also now build with uh, muscle libc. Gthumb is upgraded to 3.8.3. Gnome Shell upgraded to 3.34.2 plus 2. The Polkit agent only sets key focus to password entry after opening dialog. The keyboard now stops accessing deprecated actor property. LibNL3 upgraded to version 3.5.0. XFirmI introduced XFirm interface support. XFirm fixed the memory corruption from a dangling pointer. MyPy was upgraded to 0.750. There are more precise error locations, and the daemon is no longer considered experimental. A bunch of other Python modules were upgraded as well. To include Python Jedi. I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. Wireshocker is upgraded to 3.2.0. The bug fixes and updated protocol support. Firefox is upgraded to 71.0. There have been improvements to Lockwise, the integrated password manager. More information about enhanced tracking protection in action. Native MP3 decoding on Linux and a couple other platforms I don't care about. The configuration page about config re-implemented HTML, a new kiosk mode functionality which now which allows maximum screen space for customer-facing displays. Numerous CVEs were addressed relating to memory. The Tumbleweed Snapshot Reviewer gives 2019-1225 a stable 99, 27 a stable 99, 28 a stable 99, 29 a stable 99, and 30 a stable 99. So again, another week of 4.0 averages if this were a college course. Computer history is very interesting to me. I, I love old technology, old computers, and I like seeing where we've come from. And I think, after watching the Computer Chronicles making computer music from 1983, 
I have come to the conclusion that we often take for granted the multimedia capabilities of computers today. It seems like someone is always harping about Pulse Audio and Linux. And when I hear that, I'd say they're not using the right distribution. I'd say they're not Linuxing correctly. And by that I mean they're not OpenSUSing. Can you verb an OpenSUSE? I don't know. So I don't have these issues in OpenSUSE. I think Pulse Audio is great. I love the audio system in Linux. I think it's the best ever. And the purpose of this section is not to tout the superiority of my favorite operating system, but rather it is to talk and reflect about how great we have it today with all things audio on modern computers. In 1983, the state of digital music was not as rich as it is today. We can enjoy a virtual endless supply of content never before available in human history. Let's go back in time to an era when the Commodore 64 was the pinnacle in home computer audio. When audio was entirely programmed, limited to four waveforms of sawtooth, triangle, pulse, and noise. A multi-mode filter featuring low-pass, high-pass, and band-pass outputs and three volume controls of attack, decay, sustain, and release for each audio oscillator and a few other things I barely understand. Regardless, the capabilities were limited and synthesizing voice was an incredible undertaking that took years of work long after the chip was in the wild. The SID chip, that is. And the SID chip was one of the first polyphonic sound chips on the consumer market and to this day is held in high regard and many still like the sound the chip produces. I have an example of chip tunes from the 8-Bit Versus channel on YouTube that has a nice selection of music that you can enjoy. I don't know that they're necessarily produced by, by the SID chip, but I like it, so I put a link in there. All that said, this was a very interesting record of computer-generated music that is certainly worth a listen. I find the experimentation and the musical education tools that are featured from this period incredibly fascinating. Today, things are very different. Musical composers and artists use computers in music production, and to do so otherwise would likely be considered insane. I now wonder if individuals in the 1980s that pushed this art and science of computers and music were considered insane by their peers. Thank you for listening to yet another brilliantly botched up collection of noodlings. Feedback is always welcome. Feel free to contact me. You are one giant nerd at cubiclenight.com. I hope you tune in again for another wad of nonsense. See yous.